Hey folks, this is Danielle Sullivan of the Neurodivergent Podcast. You may have heard about the Marshall Fire in Boulder County, Colorado, which was a devastating fire that started on December 30th, right before the new year. It happened really, really fast, going from a small blaze to a conflagration in just a couple of hours. I was keeping track of it live, just like all of my friends and family, and it was incredibly unreal. The national news has been covering the Marshall Fire as a forest fire or a wildfire, but it wasn't wild. It spread until it was right down the road from me in the middle of the large suburbs of Louisville and Superior, Colorado. I live in an adjacent town and we were about two miles from the border. We evacuated our house with our cats and our kids because the smoke was so intense. The Marshall Fire destroyed and damaged more than a thousand homes in the period of just a couple of hours. So many people are displaced in the middle of an extremely cold season It's 24 degrees Fahrenheit as I record this, with a snowstorm coming in that's expected to leave at least half a foot of snow on the ground. And the fire happened so fast that folks lost everything. It wasn't the kind of situation where you had any time to grab keepsakes or documents. Many, many, many families lost pets. And it turns out that a huge number of folks were un- or underinsured for this situation. So even those who had the privilege of accessing home insurance are still facing incredible losses. The Marshall Fire has affected people of all different income brackets, multiple school districts, including tons of homeschool families, many of whom are homeschooling disabled kids, and at least one mobile home community that I know of. Folks here could really use some help. A ton of organizations have stepped up to try to support, but there's a lot of need. So today I'm asking you to consider donating to a Boulder area organization to help support survivors of the Marshall Fire. And I'm here to provide some additional motivation to those of you who are able. Option one. Donate money to an organization of your choice and get a surprise in the mail. Donate any amount from $5 and above and fill out the Google form in the description below and I will mail you a super secret awesome little surprise. There are some ideas for organizations you can support in the form, but you can choose any Boulder area, Colorado area, or national organization that is offering support to the fire survivors that means something to you. So check out the form in the links below for more information. Option two, join the Neurodivergent Patreon at the $5 tier or above or increase your pledge during February and March. I will be donating all new pledges and increases for February and March 2022 to local organizations. So this is a great way to support folks affected by the Marshall Fire and get a look at all of the great patron-only content that I put out on the monthly for you. You're welcome to join us for a month or two and then cancel. It's really easy and transparent, which is one of the reasons I like Patreon. There's no sneakiness. I really appreciate your consideration on this effort. Even a little donation can go a really long way for these folks. I will post updates about how much has been raised and where it's going on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Neurodiverging. So keep an eye out for that. And thank you, thank you, thank you for your consideration. Every day, scientists are learning more and more about how human brains work and how many of us don't fit into the old-fashioned understanding of how brains should work. But a lot of ideas about parenting and familial relationships still need to catch up to the reality of human variation. Neurological differences are natural, profoundly valuable parts of being in a community together and in being part of a family. Whoever you are, wherever you are in your journey, I am here to explore with you. We are all in this together. Welcome to Neurodiverging.
Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Neurodiverging Podcast. I'm Danielle Sullivan, and I'm your host, a certified life coach and an autistic parent. I am so excited today to welcome Carol Jean Whittington to the Neurodiverging Podcast. She's known as Social Auti throughout the autism community and is known for her unique approach to autistic burnout. We're discussing Carol Jean's new course, Rest is More Than Sleep, in the autistic community, as well as both of our own personal experiences with autistic burnout. I know this is a topic that many of you requested, so I'm so glad we're getting to burnout today. Before I get to that, I just want to thank all of my patrons for supporting this episode of Neurodiverging. If you want to be one of these amazing folks and support the Neurodiverging podcast, please check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash neurodiverging. You can pledge a dollar, five dollars, or ten dollars a month to support the podcast and keep it going. Funding also goes to help me provide support for low-income neurodivergent coaching clients, so it is very appreciated. I am so excited to welcome Carol Jean Whittington to the Neurodiverging Podcast today. She's known as Social Audi throughout the autism community and for talking about autistic burnout. She has a really great approach to autistic burnout that has struck a chord in a lot of us. She also hosts the Mind Your Autistic Brain Talk Show for late identified autistics like me. Carol Jean is a late identified ADHD autistic who discovered at 39 years old why life had been so confusing and such a struggle, which I'm sure many, many of you can identify with out there. Today, she teaches a global audience of adult autistics how to go from burnout to balance through the unveiling method, which carefully combines scientific research and easy to implement strategies that won't overwhelm or create more stress in your life. Her purpose is to present a variety of solutions and new ways to approach your own life as you begin to answer the big question of who am I under all these masks. Together, we're discussing Carol Jean's new course, Rest is More Than Sleep, in the autistic community, as well as both of our own experiences and our histories with autistic burnout as late-identified neurodivergent adults. And plus, Carol Jean is sharing some specifics of what burnout looks like, how it's different than neurotypical burnout, and how eight different kinds of rest can help heal autistic burnout. Thank you for being here with me today. Here we go. Welcome, Carol Jean, to Neurodiverging. How are you doing today? I am fantastic, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here. I've been looking forward to this since our conversation last. I'm so excited that you're here. I have also really enjoyed our last conversation and it's been very exciting to know that I was going to see you again soon and get to talk about your course. So you just put out Rest is More Than Sleep on the autistic community and I took it and it's so good and I'm so excited to talk about it today. Um, I wanted to know if you could, if we could start off, could you tell us a little bit about the course and what made you focus on on this topic, which I think is really important for autistic folks? <laughs> well, one of the hottest topics in the autistic community is our sleep, our sleep quality, our lack of sleep. Mm -hmm. And the second big topic that we're always talking about is burnout, especially as late identified autistic ADHDers. We come to the knowledge of autistic burnout and it's like, holy cow, that explains so much, not mm -hmm. just being autistic, but, but the experience of autistic burnout and what that means, because autistic burnout is different from just a typical burnout. Mm -hmm. For us, it can impact our skills and abilities. And some of the early research, and there's not a whole lot into this yet, but I'm so excited to see that there are researchers who are digging into this. And hopefully I'm sort of leading that and, and, and cultivating more of this. But there are skills and abilities that we can lose permanently during some types of autistic burnout, especially if it's that deep chronic cycle burnout loop mm -hmm. where you just start to emerge from it. You start to feel somewhat human again, and then a stress happens 
and then another stress and it layers on and the next thing you know you're right back in that burnout loop and it's just like it's like the hamster wheel you can't seem to get off and for me I started autistic burnout once I started to be able to identify what they were how they showed up in my life and how they varied throughout my life and my seasons of life my first autistic burnout happened at the age of six Mm And the more people I am working with and, and more of my clients as we're starting to sort of unpackage and start to identify what their autistic burnouts are, what they have looked like, how they've impacted them in their life, sort of things that have led up to them. Um, there's so many that are identifying around that same age, you know, between yeah. six and eight. Oh, my gosh, that was my first autistic burnout. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it. Yeah. And one of the biggest factors to burnout for so many of us is our energy, not just our sleep, but our energy. It's just, it's just this overwhelming exhaustion and, and, you know, there's spoon theory out there, which is fantastic. And it gives us sort of this visual and this vernacular for explaining our energy. But what I found was most people were talking about how do I protect the spoons that I have? How do I keep the ones that I have? And how do I keep from expending any? No mm-hmm. one was talking about how do I replenish my spoons? Mm-hmm. How do I fill up my empty spoon drawer? And an autistic burnout, it's one of the most critical factors. And it's one of the biggest components that help us as we're identifying what our signposts are that lead to restoration. Also, the signposts that lead us to burnout. How do we gain energy? And I found that there are so many other areas of restoration and gaining energy, replenishing our spoon drawer other than sleep. Because sometimes in autistic burnout, we can either be sleeping so much that we can hardly function or the opposite. We can't get any sleep. We can't seem to fall asleep or we just fall asleep. And then like 30 minutes later, the alarm goes off and we got to start all over again. And you're in this chronic sleep deficit cycle. So when you're in this chronic deficit cycle, how the heck do you get some energy? Yeah. How do you start to restore yourself in some way to at least feel somewhat human and be able to function, right? So that's mm-hmm. sort of why I created the Rest is More Than Sleep course and, and the, the thinking and the theory behind it. Thank you so much. So much of what you say rings true to my experience and the experience of, of my clients as well, that very early on, once you start especially I know you're a late identified autistic too. Those of us who are identified relatively late in life, when we start to rethink our our lives in the past and start to notice all those autistic traits and concerns earlier on, it is amazing how early we start actually having problems or or, or challenges um, that weren't picked up on as being autistic in nature when we were kids, right? Like that burnout at six or eight or seven, I'm pretty sure I was, I was definitely there by the time I was, I, I definitely remember by the time I was 10 or nine, and I wouldn't be surprised if it came earlier. My memory of younger is not very strong, but um, it's when you've lived with cycling burnout for that long, um, then you're just grabbing onto any kind of rest you can get. And the idea of structuring it and building building up routines around it can be very far out um, and, and kind of outside of your ability. So I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited about, about your course because I think it really, and I took it and I think it really offers people a way to think about different kinds of rest and think about how they can, how you can enact that in your own life without it being this overwhelming, huge 
change that is just another thing you have to do. Um, and I love your example of spoon theory. We actually have a podcast episode on spoon theory that I'll link down below, but um, spoon theory is really great for like your daily cycle, right? Like you wake up in the morning, you have so many spoons, you use them. Hopefully you go to bed and you wake up with more spoons, but what if you don't wake up with more spoons? What if all your spoons were used yesterday and then you don't have any more left? What are you supposed to do? And there's, you know, there's just been a gap there in, in kind of the, the theory, I guess, of, of autism. So I love exactly. that. Exactly. And the analogy. beautiful thing is, is now you've got these seven other areas. Mm -hmm. And that was something that was really important to me because when we're in burnout, our critical thinking and our capacity for executive function are so diminished. Mm -hmm. And there's already this huge feeling of I'm not doing enough. I can't seem to function. And, you know, all of the belief baggage that comes with that, especially when we're late identified and didn't know, and we're still sort of learning what being autistic means to us with this mm -hmm. whole new vernacular. The way that I set this course up was I wanted you to be able to immediately with very little effort, identify something and start to to use it in your life mm -hmm. and be able to really start to feel and gain some energy from something very simple that immediately meets you where you are because we all have are in a different place with our rest and our rest needs mm -hmm. there's so many layers to that so i've broken this down into seven main areas and at the very beginning of the course it immediately says hey less answer some of these questions, like think about these and let's identify the area of rest right now. It's going to serve you best. Mm -hmm. It's really what's going to help you right now today in this moment. And then jump down to that section. And then I'm going to give you some examples and some different things for you to try. And I try and give at least three to five in each section so that there's something for everyone. It's so practical. And I learned, I was telling you before we started recording, I learned something in the very first section, um, which was wonderful and kind of surprising because I wasn't sure, you know, what, what I was expecting out of taking the course and like, boom, right out. <laughs> it's like, oh, cool. Like I never thought of that before. So, yeah. So I, I, I love how you laid it out. I think it is very practical and very something you can do today, just like you said. Um, so we talked a little bit about how you've dealt with the cycling burnout in the past. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what I, I know this is your this is your specialty. So maybe this is too big of a question, <laughs> but for folks who are newly identified or, or kind of on the path of identifying themselves in the neurodivergent sphere <laughs> or, or umbrella, um, what does burnout look like for autistics? What is different about autistic burnout versus neurotypical burnout? Oh, that is I know it's a question. big question. <laughs> it is. And I actually put together um, a free download for people who have that question. And it's the top 20 warning signs. You may be an autistic burnout. And this was a, a collection of the top 20 signs that you can experience in your life in different varying degrees. I mean, you're not going to have all of them all the time. You may have had some of these in the past and some may be different now. Um, some of the biggest things that autistics report um, is, is losing their ability to function, the executive function. Um, dis, disassociating, finding that you've sat in the same place and sort of 
completely detached and zoned out for X amount of I don't mm -hmm. know because you couldn't remember when you sat down. Mm -hmm. um, feeling very other, out sort of out existing, sort of floating in your body, not feeling very grounded is something that is a very common experience in that. Um, sensory sensitivities. Some of the things that a lot of my clients report most often, and I know that I have experienced for myself as well, most of the time, most of my late identified clients have come to me because they were in autistic burnout. They didn't know it. Yeah. And that was how they discovered they were autistic or autistic and ADHD. And through that, you know, then you start to uncover what being autistic is and you learn about sensory sensitivities and that your perception of sensory things are different. In autistic burnout, those sensory sensitivities can exacerbate. They can be like to the nth degree, mm -hmm. normally where the whir of the ceiling fan didn't bother you before. You didn't even notice it. It didn't register. When you're in autistic burnout, it sounds like the playing part on the spokes of a kid's bicycle wheel. I mean, it's just everything is just so much more. Um, it feels like you're operating. I say I feel like I was living underwater. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it felt like the water line was just under my nose and the water was constantly lapping. And every now and then I could get a little bit of air, but I never could get a deep, full breath. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a, a very when I describe it, my experience from that to a lot of autistics are like, oh, my God, that makes so much sense. I totally experienced that. I can't just like take mm -hmm. in a deep, full breath and uh, let it out. And, you know, you feel like your shoulders are up around your ears all the time, but you don't know it because that's how you've been living for so long. Yeah. That until you're able to lower your shoulders, you don't recognize that mm -hmm. that's what you've been experiencing. Um, some of the things that also happened are periods of mutism. You know, you might, I'm a very auditory person. I have aud auditory processing delays, but I'm also an auditory processor. So put Me all too. that in your basket. Yes, your it's top, great, right? isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's just such a fun little bailiwick. <laughs> but in autistic burnout, for those of us who have that, a lot of times it is much more common for us to experience periods of mutism where it feels like our, our tongue is heavy or your mouth just won't move or you've got the words and they're sort of fuzzy and floating around in your head and you can't quite seem to grab them in order to formulate a cohesive sentence and articulate anything. It's just not yeah. happening. That's my grunt or yeah. moan. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's so many different aspects that throughout your life, if you've experienced these, they have been terrifying. They've been really scary. I mean, at one point when I hit probably the worst burnout in my 30s, I honestly thought I was going crazy. I was so scared. And I was a mom. I had two young children. Mm -hmm. And all I could think was, I can't afford to admit myself to the hospital because I, I, I have these two babies and I have to do this. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I'm crazy. And I was so scared. I was terrified to tell anyone because I thought something bad will happen if I tell someone this. Yeah. And so there's so much that goes on with autistic burnout that, and there's so many different ways that it shows up in our lives. You know, there's a common thread. So hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll share that so that your, your 
listeners can can have some resources to look at to help determine some of these things or maybe connect some of the dots for themselves. Yeah, thank you so much. And I will put the link to that uh, work. There, it's not a worksheet, but your twenty twenty um, identifiers in the show notes as well. If that's okay with you, I um, absolutely. I have talked about like my own burnout in the podcast before, but I feel like it's very. Um, personal and that different autistic folks experience it uniquely. And it's just always so great to get uh, other folks' perspectives too, so that if you're listening and you're dealing with something that sounds similar, hopefully some of that will ping for you. I also had a really bad one right when my kids were young that um, in in many ways sounds similar to what you went through, um, where I had not been identified yet. I had had burnouts in my twenties that I had sort of put down to depression spells or um, medication um, reactions or other sorts of just, I found other reasons um, and didn't link it to autism or burnout at all. And then in my thirties, when I had also two young children and um, one was autistic, the other was an infant who was not sleeping. And I was just going into my room at 4 p.m. every night and hiding under the covers and turning all the lights off. And like the minute my partner got home, my co-parent got home and could take them. I was just like, nope. Um, and I was still, you know, he'd bring them into nurse and I send them out. Like, Cause I was just so totally burned to a crisp <laughs> by the end of the day. Um, and um, that what you said earlier in in the show about, um, you know, we might be sleeping a lot, but we're not waking, feeling invigorated. Um, Or maybe that was when we were talking before we hit record, but we were talking about how sometimes one of the things that happens in burnout is that um, autistic folks can sleep extra, right? And you end up with nine, 10, 12, 14 hours of sleep per 24 hour period, but you're not waking, feeling rested, or like you have those spoons back. And that was definitely one of my symptoms um, was that I was just, I just shut down. It wasn't restful sleep. It was no more sensory input, no more anything like do not, I couldn't speak. I couldn't move. I just was in my bed under the heavy blanket <laughs> for hours. So, um, and now it's like, oh, clearly that was burnout. But at the time and my partner too, we were all like, you know, am I just failing as a parent? Am I just not able to do this? Am I having some other kind of serious medical condition, what's going on. And it was just, I mean, not just, but it was, it was just burnout, a really, really bad one. So yeah. Yeah. The so. gravity of it in our lives. And and when you don't know, you are looking for answers. So mm-hmm. you're looking to assign some causation to it. Yet nothing really fully explains it, but you'll just, you'll take, it's almost like you'll take what you can get so that at least you have some idea to feel like you're doing something to make yourself feel better. And then you try all the things best you can and getting the knowledge that, oh gosh, that's autistic burnout that you Mm. experienced. And it's just like, holy heck, (laughs) you mean there's a reason, there's a cause and I'm not just this broken, defective individual that just can't seem to get her stuff together. Mm-hmm. I, there's a real valid reason yes. there's things I can do mm-hmm. to keep from, from crashing and shutting down and going through this like this ever again. Yeah, because you go from being a failure of an individual person to part of a group who is unfortunately dealing with the same thing you are. And if there's that many other people who are struggling with this, then you're not, you're not the weird off broken human. You're, you know, 
part of the yeah. human community. You're not, you know, the you, failure to, you're not the failure failure to launch adults. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You you're rejoining by being identified, you're rejoining the community. You know, it doesn't fix everything, but it reframes your experience in a way that can get rid of a lot of that like shame, self, negative self-talk, you know, brokenness kind of rhetoric, which is just so valuable. So <laughs> and that's why the rest is more than sleep course was sort of born for me it, mm -hmm. it was it was that I didn't want anybody else to go through the the, the shame cycle the mm -hmm. the horrible experiences of feeling like you know having my 40s and I just can't seem to get my act together when really that wasn't the case mm -hmm. you just didn't know these things about yourself and now that you do know these things there's some actual tangible framework structures and strategies yeah from the autistic perspective because you know you got mm -hmm. all these people out there who's already always trying to tell you how to sleep and how to do this stuff and <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to us and it doesn't nope. really meet our needs and that was one of the really important aspects of this rest course was that i specifically talk about sensory rest mm -hmm. for us and what authentic connection rest is for us mm -hmm. because to the rest of the world you know that might be social rest and we need that we've got that same need but it's an authentic connection that we're seeking it's a different perspective our lens and our approach is different and this is written specifically by autistic for <laughs> autistic because every, you know there's a million and one books out there on how to rest how to get sleep how to manage your time and all this stuff but it doesn't speak our language to our needs. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to be really strategic and very specific about approaching these rest areas from what meets our needs, mm -hmm. what's different about how we experience a rest deficit and how can we address it in a way that if we're in burnout and, and we're barely getting by, I mean, you know, like you might brush your teeth if you can manage it, when we're like when we're in that place you know mm -hmm. and everything's just too much how, how do we get some relief how do mm -hmm. we get some restoration that's that's what this is for yeah yeah it's a really important piece and is i think one of the first steps to moving out of burnout and i mean you just got and i was just really impressed with how the course laid out you have sleep and then seven other types of rest, right? Did I count those correctly? Yeah, <laughs> and, that's correct. Um, yeah. And um, some of them were kind of like things I might've come up with if myself, if I brainstormed how to, how to rest or how to reinvigorate oneself. But some of them I was really surprised by as categories where once I thought about it, I was like, oh, obviously that is a way to get some energy back to restore those spoons, right? Um, but I would not have thought of them myself. And I certainly would have, especially in a, in a burnout cycle when I'm sleeping 14 hours a day, luckily has not happened anytime recently, but you know, I, I remember how impossible it was to string thoughts together in, in those moments. And, um, I certainly wouldn't have been able to critically think about like, what could I be doing to get my spoons back? You know? So having that really detailed, like try these things, <laughs> try these three things, like that I can, I can follow directions, you know? So, um, I just, I really love that about the course. Do you have, oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. No, I really, um, I really enjoyed it. I got a lot out of it. And like I said before, I wasn't sure what to expect out of it just because 
not to toot my own horn, but just because I, you know, I like rest. I've learned a lot about it. I read a lot. I'm a coach and work in it a lot and I help clients with it. And so you never know what you're going to get from a resource. And I was really impressed with it. I really, I really got so much out of it. So I was, I'm very excited to like tell clients about it. Um, well, I will take that half praise, Danielle Sullivan. <laughs> please Thank do. You. Can a, put a little quote on the... you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Do you have a favorite kind of rest yourself? What was the most interesting piece to work on in the course for you? Maybe is a better way to say it. Like what's your, you know, I'm going to say that naturally I fall into an appreciative rest and a kinetic rest, Mm -hmm. um, kind of as a natural extension just of me. But one of the areas of rest that in my late identified journey has probably made the biggest impact it's been the spiritual rest. Yeah. And that's one that you don't normally think about as being an area of rest or restoration. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about spiritual in the sense of, you know, like woo woo, you know, what's your religious, you know, denomination. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about spiritual rest from the sense of who am I? What is my purpose? Why am I here? Why do we exist? You know, all these mm-hmm. big existential things. But from a spiritual standpoint of just, I exist in the world. Because I think for me, I had spent so many decades feeling like I didn't need, I didn't belong. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a place in the world. Mm -hmm. And so for me, being able to embrace some of the areas, and I share several different areas of spiritual rest, and how to connect with and find my place in the world, that probably has been one of the biggest impacts in my late identified journey with rest. Mm -hmm. We have, I have talked to so many late identified autistic folks who, because we haven't been identified, have spent 20, 30, 50, however many years, um, not having a good sense of their own values because they've been masking so hard that they've sort of just been enacting the values of other folks around them, their family, their friends, their work, whatever. Um, And getting back to the basics and figuring out what are my values? What am I here for? That is so valuable for so many reasons. And certainly as a form of feeling connected to this sphere of life, this place that we find ourselves in, um, that that spiritual rest is so easily overlooked. And it was one of the aspects of the course that I was surprised at and really got a lot from because like you said, it's not necessarily a go-to when you think of of rest and restoration, but once it's pointed out, it's like, obviously, obviously, if I don't know why I'm here and what my purpose is, then how am I supposed to be better? How am I supposed to feel connected to this world and this life as an individual? So yeah, thank you for that. is there anything, I guess, to, to leave folks off with, is there anything about rest that you would most like people to know, whether they can take your course or not <laughs> in this moment of their lives? Is there one piece of advice maybe that we could offer out to folks who are struggling with this issue? Yes. Rest can come in some very unusual ways. And when you're in burnout, it's so hard to see what, where your energy is going. 
you just feel like it's flowing out in every direction and it's just not coming in. And rest can feel like, and asleep can feel like, it's this elusive, huge thing that you can't, you don't even know how to identify what it is. And, you know, we tend to want to go big or go home. You know, we want to identify these big giant things. And really what I would like for everyone to know today, if there's nothing else that you can do, I want you to start looking at the very small little things in your day. What is a very small little thing that brings and gives you pleasure? What is something that makes you smile? What is something that allows you to take a little bit fuller breath? Could it be something as simple as the first 10 minutes of your morning when you make your cup of coffee or your tea or oatmeal or whatever, and you just start to notice that using that same bowl, using your favorite spoon, that those things, those small little things bring you pleasure. And through that pleasure, you're energized. So don't look at energy and rest. It's these big giant things. Start looking at the little tiny small things throughout your day. And then think about how can I implement this a little more, maybe one more time in my day? Or how can I be intentional to really take a second and just go, I love this spoon. It's my favorite spoon. <laughs> and it's just that small and that simple. Thank you so much, Carol Jean. I appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Danielle. It is always a pleasure and a joy to talk to you. I'm so glad you made it. Thank you for being here with me today. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please let me know. Leave a comment or email me, neurodiverging.podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Show notes and further links and a Carol Jean's link and all the stuff for the class is available at neurodiverging.com and also in the show notes below. Thank you again to my patrons for supporting this podcast and everything we do at Neurodiverging. You are all wonderful and I really appreciate it. Join us for more stuff at patreon.com slash neurodiverging and I hope to see you there. Please remember we are all in this together. Hey folks, this is Danielle Sullivan of the Neurodiverging Podcast. You may have heard about the Marshall Fire in Boulder County, Colorado, which was a devastating fire that started on December 30th, right before the new year. It happened really, really fast, going from a small blaze to a conflagration in just a couple of hours. I was keeping track of it live, just like all of my friends and family, and it was incredibly unreal. The national news has been covering the Marshall Fire as a forest fire or a wildfire, but it wasn't wild. It spread until it was right down the road from me in the middle of the large suburbs of Louisville and Superior, Colorado. I live in an adjacent town and we were about two miles from the border. We evacuated our house with our cats and our kids because the smoke was so intense. The Marshall Fire destroyed and damaged more than a thousand homes in the period of just a couple of hours. So many people are displaced in the middle of an extremely cold season 
It's 24 degrees Fahrenheit as I record this with a snowstorm coming in that's expected to leave at least half a foot of snow on the ground. And the fire happened so fast that folks lost everything. It wasn't the kind of situation where you had any time to grab keepsakes or documents. Many, many, many families lost pets. And it turns out that a huge number of folks were un- or underinsured for this situation. So even those who had the privilege of accessing home insurance are still facing incredible losses. The Marshall Fire has affected people of all different income brackets, multiple school districts, including tons of homeschool families, many of whom are homeschooling disabled kids, and at least one mobile home community that I know of. Folks here could really use some help. A ton of organizations have stepped up to try to support, but there's a lot of need. So today I'm asking you to consider donating to a Boulder area organization to help support survivors of the Marshall Fire. And I'm here to provide some additional motivation to those of you who are able. Option one. Donate money to an organization of your choice and get a surprise in the mail. Donate any amount from $5 and above and fill out the Google form in the description below and I will mail you a super secret awesome little surprise. There are some ideas for organizations you can support in the form, but you can choose any Boulder area, Colorado area, or national organization that is offering support to the fire survivors that means something to you. So check out the form in the links below for more information. Option two, join the NeuroDiverging Patreon at the $5 tier or above or increase your pledge during February and March. I will be donating all new pledges and increases for February and March 2022 to local organizations. So this is a great way to support folks affected by the Marshall Fire and get a look at all of the great patron-only content that I put out on the monthly for you. You're welcome to join us for a month or two and then cancel. It's really easy and transparent, which is one of the reasons I like Patreon. There's no sneakiness. I really appreciate your consideration on this effort. Even a little donation can go a really long way for these folks. I will post updates about how much has been raised and where it's going on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Neurodiverging. So keep an eye out for that. And thank you, thank you, thank you for your consideration.